0: G'day, punters. Welcome to the Mailbag's preview for Caulfield. Uh, Sir John Monash Stakes Day, Group 3 race, 1,100 metres at Caulfield. Uh, Dico Roden, it's good to have you both on board. I'm not exactly sure the, the Group 3 in the middle of July is necessarily fitting of Sir John Monash, but you guys would know a little bit more about that than
1: me. Would you care to elaborate? Mark? Uh, I went to the university named after the great General Sir John Monash, didn't finish anything but I went for a few years had a good time close to Sandown too so it was handy for Wednesday meetings at Sandown, only five minutes drive John Monash, great commander during World War I of the Australian forces Um, despite being a great military commander I doubt he would have been allowed into the Melbourne Club at the same time due to his uh, religion but
2: (laughs) yeah and it is a disgrace that the race is only a group three and that it is sponsored by a uh, British owned bookmaker but um that's where that's racing and um, but if you don't know who he is and you're an Australian you should know and you should do some research. He, yeah, there's a lot of great books, like Gallipoli by Fitz, Fitz Simons is a really good book that speaks to what some of what John did, but he did heaps more than that. I think he's responsible for the um the tomb, the shrine. the shrine. I think he was the one who got that going because like, when they came back, there was nothing for, for the returned soldiers at all. Um, yeah. I think maybe, Mark, you might know better, but I reckon he's the bloke who sort of broke through the, the, the Western Front, essentially.
1: Uh, been a while since I've done my World War One history. He was certainly at Gallipoli. Um, he dominated
2: Gallipoli. I know that. And and he, the, yeah, and he was the Western Front after that. I, which was like I'm, the only successful part of the Gallipoli was the evacuation.
1: Yes, right. Um Tell you what, if you go to Wikipedia, but uh, don't just read... There's good stuff in Wikipedia, but um, there's also a lot of good sources and further reading if you want to educate yourself about John Monash or anyone else, really.
2: I believe he coordinated, like, air attacks with land attacks, and that's how they broke the line. Anyway, do all that. Hope I'm right. Fuck. (laughs) Anyway, great, man, and uh, I hope that doesn't offend anyone. What are we going to talk about now, Peter? Race.
0: I was going to say, speaking... Of great men. Uh, shall we talk about the race, which is over 1100 metres at Caulfield? The meeting overall, I think it's fair to say, difficult?
2: Um, I've done the meeting in detail and sort of longer than I wanted to because it was difficult. Um, never been more grateful to have such a great result yesterday that there is zero pressure on me financially, and I don't think with our subs to better a stack for the rest of the week. It's a good coincidence because this meeting's tricky and, and quite awful. Um, the only race that I have fed into early, which we can now with the MBLs, is race eight, the, the, the mono stakes. So um, we'll talk about that race a little bit. Throughout the card, there's a couple of horses that look like oh, they're going to run good races, but they'll either have like a really bad rider or a tricky map or both. And you know, this, this early stage, I don't want to pull the trigger yet. The weather in Melbourne is as good as it could get. At, for this time of year, guys, you'd agree. Um, the sun is shining. It's still cold as
0: balls, but it's the sun is shining, and uh, it's glorious. Indeed, it is. Uh, speaking of this race, two dollars sixty favourite Malkovich with Jamie Carr in head uh, ahead of Vilami, 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 four dollars sixty Viradine at six fifty. <laughs> Quarter of command seven fifty in the form of best Red Can Man. $9.50. Jack Dickens, take it away. What do you like?
2: J-Card jumps off Red Can Man and onto Malkovich. Malkovich sits outside of Villamai. I think, on the speed here. Um, this is a shoot race at Caulfield, yeah? 1,100 metres, so they, they bang out. There's not a stack of thinking here. It's just They often can be three to six wide, and it's not the worst. Uh, I think Malkovich and Villamai are the two leaders. Ashlaw, Dexalation and Red Can Man next line. Peter, would you think that's where Red Can Man would get to? Oh,
0: I would have thought he would have been somewhere in the first four or five, given if he is from barrier five. I think that's about right.
2: I just think Jack Martin on Ashlaw is favourite to give in to the speed outside him from Villemai and um, Malkovich and Ben Gladrap-Mellon will just let them roll across because he's a, he's a veteran senior Victorian hoop and only thing they love as much as cash is cover, and he's going to get something. am <laughs> uh, Superman was slotting behind them, then in keeper. I think Virudine's worse than midfield. I really, really mm. wanted to back William Thomas off the good performance last week, but and it's got beautiful track and trip stats, but barrier one with no speed on Thursday morning is not a recipe for success. So, you know, if, if they're getting right off the fence and he can go up or around them, then I like his chances a little bit more, but the map's awful. And then order of command, I think, goes back from the wide draw fresh and propelled worse in midfield. Uh, Miakovic was very, very good last start. Hulk was good the same day in Sydney when it should have won but didn't. From Always. Top ahead.
1: Always should have won them, did it I mean, get back horses that can't run past 1100
2: there. Uh... But the what I'm saying is the form from the previous run in Sydney looks to be okay. The, the run in at Caulfield was was really, really good. Um, second go at Caulfield I, I like. I think it'll improve with the second go. I love fast horses, wide gates, Jay Carr. That is her bread and butter. That's why she's about to ride. To it. If she hasn't ridden 100, she'll do it on this horse. I think it'll win. I think it'll start closer to 210, 220, um, which... I never thought I'd say this sort of thing, but you just look at the race, and this is the way it is. This horse maps perfectly. D lane gave this thing the greatest ride it could have been given, but it's no—it's almost a positive to go to J car on a on a fast horse. I'd rather D lane on a horse that's a midfield sort of thing, as opposed to J car, which we learnt yesterday. Um, but I think this is the perfect setup for her horse. Still early in its prep, I think it starts since twenty. I think it wins number ten, Malkovich.
0: Full stop. Thank you very much. Uh, okay. That's uh that's Corfield. Nice and short and sharp. You feature race to Group Three. We'll see how the rest of the card goes, but it's good to see I guess some of the slightly better horses starting to resume. It's probably still just a touch early. Let's have a Which look.
2: which is why which is why Peter, it's very important to get a read from the mounting art. Yes. Which we will have for you in Melbourne, not in Sydney because ScoMo's, no one knows where he is, but he certainly hasn't vaccinated anyone, and they still haven't been able to get a lockdown there in Sydney. So, uh, no Scurry on course in Sydney, but Jackson Oldham on course for us at Caulfield. Maybe me, maybe Peter, we'll see how we're travelling. But you get Mounting Yard Mail every single
0: race at Caulfield. Won't be me, I'll be in Perth. Um, Sorry, Peter, that's true. Yeah. But you will get Mounting Yard Mail next Wednesday and next Saturday from Belmont.
2: Oh, Christ. Just buckle up for that.
0: What are you going to wear on course?
2: I know you put a lot of thought into this. Have you moved past the leopard print sort of gear,
0: or are we still there? Uh, it will be probably wet and miserable in Perth, so...
2: Right up your alley.
0: Yeah, I'll be wearing <laughs> mostly black, looking like the, looking like the Undertaker.
1: <laughs> so
0: no one speaks to me. You need a big me. black hat, a big black insubra. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Speaking of people I don't want to be speaking to, Wayne Hawkes. <laughs> had some interesting stuff to say with our mate G-Hall about speed maps. What do we think of oh, Wayne yeah, Hawkes? I, I don't think that's how Wayne talks, but what, what do we,
1: what do we think Garrett of his comments?
2: Him? What were his comments for those that didn't listen?
1: Uh, well, the quote that was pulled uh, out of it was that uh, Wayne Hawkes said that speed maps were a crop of shit. It was a bit more nuanced than that. Um, what he was getting at was um, that, uh, you know, well, in New South Wales, not in Victoria, but in New South Wales, you have official steward speed maps, which he wasn't a fan of. Plus they might be getting, you know, the trainer might have a speed map, the jockey personally might have someone doing maps for them as well, and then they might have access to even another one. So they could be getting three or four different viewpoints of what the speed or the map in the race is going to be, and that is just uh, confusing the... Uh, the jockeys. Um, look, I don't think speed maps are a crock of shit. I think that's too simplistic. But I think he's making a pretty good point. Um, firstly, you don't want to be confusing jockeys with a variety of speed maps. And also, another thing he said in the interview was that ride the horse to where it's comfortable. You know, don't don't ride it to what the map the map you've been given pre race is. Ride it to how it's comfortable after it gets out of the gate. So I think that's an excellent point, and more people should pay attention to that. Full stop. Um, Full stop. He's, he's good for a soundbite, Wayne, eh? Oh, for sure. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it, like I've seen T. Berry, who rides a million winners a year and is in, been in great form this year. So I'm, this is not a knock on him, but it's because I backed him. But two horses he's drawn the outside gate on, or set, one from outside, last week in small fields. He's, he's decided 48 hours pre-race he's going back to last time when he yeah. didn't need to. Or didn't necessarily need to. At least hop out. And look, at, if a couple missed the start, you could be in midfield or fairly handy. You could be four lengths, five lengths further closer to the lead than you otherwise would have been. But if you so that, the, come hell hella high water, and snicking. Are they allowed, allowed
2: to do that in Dane, New, New South Wales, though? Sorry? Are they allowed to do that in yes,
1: New South Wales? Yeah, of course they are. I mean, no one's, you're not going to get rubbed out. You're not even going to get fined if your your map last and you sit midfield. You just say the horse jumped better than I thought it would. I mean...
2: Oh, you don't even get fined if you break
1: COVID. And oh, on. I've e-charge. mentioned it Play before. Sydney Stack must be wrapped with that decision.
2: Nothing. Oh, Bourne <laughs> had a couple of beers at home. It's <laughs> 1000000 like <Yeah>. a, <laughs> a tour. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: all
0: right. We've got two questions yeah. uh, to finish off the show. We'll follow up with EB's question from a deep dive regarding short favourites under $2 at Caulfield or Flemington and their profitability long term. This is not including horses first up. So he made comment there was a couple there, Dice Roll, I'm Thunderstruck, Hype Horses. If you blindly laid these type of horses, would you be profitable long term? So if you go back to 2012, 1st of Jan, taking favourites that aren't first up and that their price is under $2 on punningform.com.au system. Uh, we'll start off with, uh, this is Caulfield, I believe. 56. You're doing this live. I am doing, I've already done it. I just, I've done two Can of I them. Say, I I can't remember that that's, that's
2: a lot of pony. That seems like a while for
0: to turn. I don't know. It's 109 hits, 56 winners, 51.4% uh, win percentage, minus 8.4% profit on turnover. That's betting proportionally. Flat staking is minus 13.2%. So that's 56 from 109. That is at Flemington, I should say. That's at Flemington. At Caulfield, 67 from 124. 54% win strike weight. We've got 6.6% on the minus betting proportionally and minus 6%
1: betting flat. So I don't think that's necessarily an answer for you, EB. I think you'd need to define the term what's a high horse because he specifically said high horse. That's all even money favourites. It's a bit... Also. Distance ranges, setups, all those sort of things,
0: days between yeah. last start, um, that all probably comes into it. Uh, okay, but we've got one more question from Kjart. Good man, friend of the show. <laughs> Just a question for the next <laughs> one. Or whenever you I get around like it. to it. <laughs> when I'm pricing, I don't know. I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure what's going on either. When <laughs> pricing races. How do you slash the team go about removing bias from your pricing? It is very easy to price a horse on how you want it to perform rather than looking at the facts. I appreciate that it's hard to remain on bias in any approach, but is there a particular method that you guys use to overcome this?
1: So we can't.
2: Who wants to start? You, you go. Um, so, cards would know too, like the, the way we, we've cast been part of our sort of, some of our... Uh, not even longer-term clients, just any anyone who's on board. We've been, like, Curls and I particularly did, a, did two Zooms last week just with a bunch of guys and girls. Um, and we just sat on there and just dribbled and yarned for sort of two hours or four hours. Uh, we we have like sort of a basis foundation for pricing at the Mailbag, which we all share and all have input on, and, and is always evolving as well. Um, but a big Part of doing it that way is to eliminate what you were speaking about, so it, it brings you to a point where then you have the ability to be uh, to put your own spin on it, a bit of flair, but you've only got so much room to move. So, if if the and you, you can turn things up and down for different scenarios, um, different distances, different tracks, etc., but once you get to a price say six dollars if i think that it's a certainty it's, it's not going to become two dollars it might become four dollars with a lot of maneuvering um so that's a way to take out um take out that and oh, it's, it's still early i guess but um you know look, in, in melbourne like we are legitimately fucking flying and this is the starting point for every bet we've, we've ever sent the last like sort of 12 months, Peter, maybe, maybe less. Um, so it's it's definitely a crucial part of your form analysis, pricing, and decision making is to remove your thoughts, your, your biases. I don't know if that makes sense, but the point he's trying to get to is very, very relevant. Is my point. Yep,
0: yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, Just quickly, and I tend to forget almost instantly if I backed a horse last start outside of my notes. I've just become so reliant on my note-taking that I really just forget everything else. I don't care if the horse wins or loses next start when I go to look at a race. It's just purely the race. I just genuinely don't have favourites. I hate every single... uh, I'm an equal-hating opportunist, so I just hate everything (laughs) equally.
1: Yeah. I think your point's a good one to eliminate bias automate as much as you can spend your time getting your automated systems as good as they can be um then then it's up to you how much uh, input per race or per horse you want to put in but uh, the more you automate the more you're going to eliminate bias yeah.
2: so the perfect example is william thomas in the race we've just previewed last week i black booked it which i don't really like black book horses that much anymore but I reckon this horse is going to go good next start. What? So yeah. now there's this start and the start after. They're the two starts I'm interested in, William Thomas. So, as a youngster, or like a youngster punter, yeah. I just would have blindly backed this horse. Yep, yep. Without a price, they don't really care. Yep. Oh, it's a black booker, so bang. The way I work now, I'm, I'm, I, part of my brain goes, "I wish I could back this," and I'm going to be sick if it wins. But I trust the process, I guess.
0: Could be one of those as well where you you think a horse has returned in good form. It might have trialed really well, run well first start. Doesn't meet a good setup, but that doesn't mean you have to back it next start. It might be the start after or something like that. But you, you're aware of it, I guess. But as as we're all saying, it's just another factor. Yeah. And With I think the factors. sicker
2: you get, and the more like sort of the longer you do it, you'll be look. You might black book like a horse out of this race. Like tactical advantage that might be first up, is it? Right, second up say order of command. It's first up. It goes huge from the back and you black book it I'll, I'll use just black book it say as a younger punter now I'd be saying I want to see this horse in this type of race at this track over this distance And it needs to have the race needs to have x y, and Z, so it needs to have good speed or no speed or yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit like that. So William Thomas I wanted to see it probably back down the straight at Flemington even though it's a track and trip horse here I think it's just coincidence, and it's been a lot weaker races than this.
0: Okay. Very good. Uh, Mark, i will catch up with you tomorrow morning. We'll talk about the uh, Sydney meeting from Randwick. Yep. And um, Dickens, you've got Caulfield, obviously. You've, there's a little bit of cranny tonight. There's No, anything? cranny
2: today, Peter. Cranny today. I uh, bet today. Um, this will be got will be run and done by the time this gets out. We're betting tomorrow at sales, lightly, okay. and... Um, the country meeting on Saturday uh, and remember if you do have recently got punting form sectional pro form subscription or you, or you want to or I will uh, with a there's a few of you now um, sit through a 30 minute sort of lesson where you can ask whatever you want and we'll go through a race or two and uh, get you going because it can be a little bit tricky at the start but it's an investment that'll set you set you up for a much better life on the pun
0: bye for now bye for now AH!